Get together games, get the get together games where we like to get together and nerd out. Nerd out. Get together games, get the get together games where we like to get together and nerd out. Nerd out. Nerd out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Get Together Games, where we like to get together and talk about the latest and greatest news in the video game community. As always, I am your host, Josh Saracola. You can catch this show every Monday and Wednesday at 11.30, or I mean 11 o'clock a.m. live. Don't worry if you don't catch it live. You can always go check it out for about seven days on Twitch. You can see it on Facebook, on YouTube. Just search Get Together Games. Give me a follow, give me a like, give me a subscribe, whatever platform you're watching this on. Uh, I highly recommend Twitch. It's the best streaming quality out there. Uh, I hope you like the new logo. Hope you like the new intro song. Still going to work on that. I actually threw that together in about 30 minutes. So I'm kind of still scrambled trying to get everything together in the last second and get uh, online on time. The logo, actually, I want to give a shout out to Matt Akins. He made this with a good high school friend of mine. He's awesome at graphic design. So hit him up if you need any kind of graphic design made. Again, that's Matt Akins at the Akins Company, E-A-K-I-N-S, the Akins Company. And uh, thanks again to him for that. I will definitely be hitting him up for some more work in the future. Um, got a lot of news today. A lot of crazy stuff. And a lot of expected stuff. Uh, we're going to be talking about Anthem. Some more bad news about Anthem. Not a shocker at all. Got some Fortnite news. Um, some what it's like to be a game developer. The lifestyle news about that. And we're going to talk about Fortnite Season 8 and some of the new stuff in that. So stick around if you're interested in any of that. Uh, if not, I'll try to have some more interesting topics next time for you. Uh, before we do any of that, though, we're going to have to go to the video game release list, talk about what has come out since the last time that we did a show. All right, so let me get the right date going real quick. Like I said, I'm scrambling trying to get everything together from trying to make that intro song at the last second. So... The list is not quite as long as Monday. Okay. Well, still pretty long, though. Hold on. There I am. All right. So, since Monday, we've had a couple games come out. 12 is Better Than 6 came out on the Nintendo Switch. 7th Sector came out on Windows PC. Attack of the Earthlings came out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One. Bard's Gold, Nintendo Switch Edition, come out, obviously, on the Nintendo Switch. Beat Cop came out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and the Nintendo Switch. Darkest Hunters came out on the Nintendo Switch. Eternity, The Last Unicorn, PlayStation 4 and Windows PC. Left Alive, PlayStation 4 and Windows PC. Move or Die, PlayStation 4. My Little Riding Champion, Nintendo Switch. Nano Driller, Windows PC. Pillar on Nintendo Switch. RBI Baseball 19. Um, I guess they're trying to compete with the, uh, what is it, MLB The Show? Not, I haven't really heard much about that. If anybody knows anything about that, shoot me a text or uh, email at gettogethergames at outlook.com. Let me know if that's any good, a comparison to MLB The Show again. We got PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch. Actually, I'm pretty sure MLB The Show, an an another version of that comes out this month sometime, if not next month. Spacebound Windows PC. The Occupation, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Unknown Fate, Nintendo Switch. Crimson Keep, PlayStation 4. Elevator, To the Moon, Turbo Champions Edition, Nintendo Switch. And I and Me, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. 
And that is all we have that has come out since Monday. I think out of all of those, the one I'm most interested in, since I like to play a trailer usually, is Beat Cop. Um, <laughs> I hope it's not what the same name sounds like. I hope you're not just going around beating people up as a cop. Let's check this out. Got to get it running. Uh, decided not to play full screen trailers anymore because it keeps freezing up every time I try that. So let's go ahead and get this ready for you. And here is a trailer of Beat Cop. <laughs> Fingers crossed, ladies and gentlemen. Like the art style so far, a little 16 bit looking like graphics. I'm digging it. That was not a, at all what I expected it to be. Huh. Have to check that out. All right. Well, while YouTube's working properly, I wanted to show you an Ape Out trailer last time. And this game is just sick to me. And we didn't get to watch the trailer properly. So I'd like to give you a second chance. I'm actually going to purchase this game as soon as we get out, out of the show. Um, I'm very excited to get into it. This one looks short enough. Let's go ahead and run this one. Oh, no. Got to add. Sorry about that, fellas. All right. Enough of that. So this is what Ape Out is like. It's a six-minute video. We won't watch the whole thing. But it's a two-button two game. Use L1 to grab things, R1 to shove things. Or while you're holding things, I think you hold R1. Or when I say R1, I'm talking about the Nintendo Switch. Right trigger, left trigger. <laughs> Grab them with the left trigger. Throw them with the right trigger. Same with the doors. I'm not really sure. I, I know you can take them as hostage and then use their guns against them as well. It's jazz music. And uh, it's algorithmically produced. In other words, the levels are like created as you play the game. You never run out of a level pretty much. They just use the same algorithm to create things, kind of like No Man's Sky was the same thing. You never run out of planets to go to. Every planet had different species on it. 
using an algorithm to make it up as it went along, which is very crazy if you think about it. All right, so that's enough of that game. Again, that's Ape Out. You can get that on Nintendo Switch or PC for $14.99. Highly recommend that. Highly recommend that. All right, so now we're going to get into the news that we have today. Um, first thing we're going to start out with is Fortnite, Season 8. A lot of new things they added to Fortnite on Season 8. Season 8 went live, I want to say... I want to say Friday, to be honest with you, but correct me if I'm wrong. Again, you can drop a comment, go to Twitch, you can join the chat and correct me if I'm wrong, or you can just send emails to gettogethergames@outlook.com, and I'll correct myself in the next episode. So I'm going to read this article here. Um, if you know what... If you know what... Apex Legends is, you know about the flawless ping system that they created. Fortnite actually took that, which nobody hates them for. You know, it's not like they're saying, hey, this is ours. We created this. No, they, they pretty much give Apex the credit. But they were like, this is so genius that we need to have it in our game, especially if we're going to stand a chance against this amazing game that just came out and started sweeping the nation. So this comes to you from GameSpot by Kevin Nezovich says, everything that's new in Fortnite Season 8 update. Hopefully it's not too long of an article. If it is, I'll try to cut it off a little short once we know everything about it. Weezer fans, tune in because they actually have some Weezer stuff in this new season. It's pretty crazy. Yes, I'm talking about the band Weezer. So we go with the article saying, Fortnite's big 8.0 update has gone live on all platforms, which means Season 8 of the popular Battle Royale game is officially underway. As teased, this season is themed around pirates and the scurvy sea dogs have brought them with uh, them a new cannon weapon, which can be used to fire cannonballs or even your own character. Epic has also made some big changes to the game's map. A volcano has emerged from the island, and there are two new surrounding areas to explore. Of course, the new season also means a new battle pass is available to purchase, and it comes with a ton of new skins and cosmetic rewards to unlock. Now, before I go any further, if you watched the last episode, remember that I said to be careful where you purchase your V-Bucks at for Fortnite because people are getting scammed or even getting in trouble because they're considered... Um, a party to money laundering because people are using, um, what do you call it, cryptocurrency to to launder money. If you watch the show Ozark, I'm pretty sure uh, Jason Bateman's son figured out a way to do that in that show. So be careful where you buy your V-Bucks. But I'm going to continue on with the article now. It says, and nothing to say of the other tweaks Epic has made to the game. To help catch you up on all the changes, we've rounded up everything that's new in Season 8 of Fortnite below. Expect plenty more to change in the coming weeks. Epic tends to roll out new content regularly, and it already looks like after introducing a new Apex Legends-style ping system, respawns could also be coming to Fortnite in the new f near future. I think that'd be pretty cool. Why would you not be able to get your teammate up just like an Apex? You know, give, give a little timer, make sure you can't indefinitely go get your teammate up, but make it a little more interesting for the team, team aspect. That's the whole point of a team is to try to survive together. So, continuing on, the patch notes for Fortnite's 8.0 update are out now, and they, uh, and they detail a ton of changes to the game. On top of adding new areas to the island, more on that below, Epic has introduced a new weapon, the aforementioned Pirate Cannon. This can be used to destroy faraway structures or even fire players across the map. Another major addition to the update is Party Assist. A new feature that allows every player in a party to contribute progress towards challenges. That's pretty cool because I know I suck at completing challenges. So people can kind of run me through it and help me unlock some stuff. Epic has also copied one of Apex Legends' best features, adding a ping system of its own to Fortnite. Finally, the developer has brought back two LTMs, 50 versus 50, in Close Encounters and vaulted a handful of Season 7's weapons. 
Now, for those who don't know what a ping system is, basically you see a gun that you don't need, but your teammate could need. You just hit R1. I'm not sure what the actual button is. Depends on the console you're playing. But you hit the ping button, and it will let everybody in your party know, hey, this weapon's here. It'll highlight it. You can probably see it through walls and everything, so you can get to it as quickly as possible. And it probably has a voiceover that's like, I need ammo. So you can ping that you need ammo. And then your players know to drop some ammo on the ground that you may need that they don't need. And armor and things you may find. You can ping enemies so that way you don't need a headset. Or for kids who don't have a headset or can't afford one, they don't need it to play uh, the way that you should be able to play as a team. you got to be able to communicate it. So... I'm going to continue on now. It says, as it does every season, Epic is offering a new Battles Pass for Fortnite. If you finished all of seven or Season 7's extra overtime challenges, you can claim the new pass for free, while everyone else can purchase it for its usual price of 950 V-Bucks. I did not know that you can get it for free if you finish all the challenges. That's a really cool concept. So, just as before, the Season 8 Battle Pass gives players access to a slate of exclusive challenges. Completing these will level the pass up, which in turn will unlock Season 8's new skins and other cosmetics. Purchasing the Battle Pass will also automatically give players the Black Heart and Hybrid skins, both of which can evolve into different styles. I don't want to get too much into all the specifics and spoilers of the skins and stuff they have, and they're going on to say what the challenges are. I want to get to the map and the changes in the map. So... Along with the new items and cosmetics, seasons, Season 8 has brought some significant changes to Fortnite's map. The mysterious earthquakes that shook up the island towards the end of Season 7 have resulted in a giant volcano emerging toward the northeastern part of the map. The volcano is, a, is ringed by a pool of lava that will harm players and cause them to bounce away if they come in contact with it. And there are new volcanic vents dotted the island. These expel gusts of air that can send players flying. On top of that, two new areas have also appeared on the map. To the east of the volcano is Sunny Steps, which features Mayan-like pyramids. And to the west is Lazy Lagoon, where a huge pirate ship is docked. Now, this article doesn't mention it, but they have added an, a Weezer Island. Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure because I have not purchased the Battle Pass yet, but I know that if you go there, everything on the island is Weezer. I'm assuming maybe it even plays a Weezer song in the background. I'm thinking maybe they'll celebrate the end of Season 8 by having a Weezer party uh, or concert for Fortnite fans to attend or something. But... It's really crazy that they in, um, incorporated Weezer into Fortnite. That's just an odd mix-up right there. But lots of new stuff for the Season 8 Fortnite Battle Pass. Want to jump in now and get as much experience as you can. Like I said, I guess if you finish all of the challenges, you can get the next season for free. So that's something to aim for. Uh, me personally, I'm just going to stick with Apex Legends just because it's, it's right up my alley. I'm loving everything about it. So, but for those of you Fortnite fans, go ahead and jump in there, man. It's 950 V-Bucks. I would assume probably around $10 for the Battle Pass in real life or something. Not sure exactly, but no more than 15 And then the next thing we're going to talk about is Anthem, ladies and gentlemen. I've been bitching about Anthem. Excuse my language. But I've been complaining about Anthem since the first five minutes that I played this game. I've been anticipating it up until the moment that it arrived. And ever since it arrived, it has been doing nothing but causing me distraught. And it's just kind of hurting my feelings and the big letdown and the letdowns continue. Now, Anthem has been giving people what they call the blue screen on PlayStation where you just get an error code and you have to restart the game and join back up with your party members. It's also had a lot of bugs and stuff that we've talked about in the past, so I won't jump into that again. But there's a new problem with it. Anthem is causing consoles to crash. And when I say crash, I don't mean the blue screen or just shut the game down. No, it's causing your PlayStation to shut off as if the power cord was completely unplugged from it. You have to go hard reset the PlayStation. Then it has to do its little update and reset and all that stuff. 
This also comes to you from GameSpot by Jordan Ramey. I hear that name a lot. He must be a good article author. So he says, EA is aware that Anthem is crashing PS4 consoles. Uh, before I read this article, I did want to say there is also a person on Reddit posted that his console was bricked. For those who don't know, bricked means that it did the thing where it made the PlayStation crash, and now it won't turn back on. Kind of like the red ring of death back in the Xbox 360 days. Everybody knows that. The red ring. No. $300 a console down the drain just like that and I don't think Xbox fixed it with the uh, warranty or anything I'm not sure because I wasn't an Xbox geek but this article goes on to talk about the crash of Anthem in detail saying EA has announced it is aware that Anthem is causing certain issues for PS4 consoles I don't know why they're only saying PS4 because I know for a fact Xbox consoles are crashing as well but they said quote we are currently in the process of gathering information about the PS4 issues so we can determine the root cause if you're playing Anthem on PS4 and the game has seemingly caused your console to crash, EA asks that you submit information about which of the PS4 consoles you're using, the original, the slim, or the pro, your PlayStation ID number, and details about your problem and whatever you reported, and whether you reported the crash when your console prompted you to or not. If you'd rather not, some players, according to Variety, have discovered Sony is offering refunds, pretty much no questions asked for people who bought Anthem on PlayStation 4. That's pretty cool. I'm so disappointed in the game, I might try to get my $60 back and put it towards something that's coming out this month since March is so stacked. So it goes on to say, Anthem has had one of the roughest launches of any game in 2019. There you go. There. They said it. <laughs> GameSpot said it. For all of those non-believers, I have a couple of them that just doesn't believe the game is that bad <laughs> they're in denial about it but it goes to say a vip demo held mere weeks before the game's release was bug ridden and caused problems for other ea games anthem then released to mediocre reviews and even through bioware pushed out several updates including the one that addressed the unpopular tethering system the retail price of the game soon started dropping on amazon one of the updates, a hotfix patch designed to fix problems with Anthem's loot system, even broke the game for a while. Despite these setbacks, BioWare appears to remain committed to ensuring Anthem becomes a successful game. BioWare has maintained an active presence on Twitter and Reddit and responds to issues as they appear, although the developer has remained oddly silent in regards to the recent string of PS4 crashes. In order to address Anthem's lack of compelling in-game content, the developer has revealed a 90-day post-launch roadmap for the game, which includes new missions, guilds, and a large-scale event called The Catalyst. In our Anthem review, Callie Plague gave the game a 6 out of 10, writing, quote, Anthem has good ideas, but it struggles significantly with the execution. It's a co-op game that works best with no one talking, <laughs> which is true. It buries genuinely interesting character moments, and puts its most incomprehensible story bits at the forefront. Its combat is exciting until you get to the boss fights and find your wings have been clipped. Even the simple, exhilarating act of flying is frequently interrupted by the limitations of your javelin, and you never quite shake that feeling of disappointment, of knowing throughout the good parts of Anthem that you'll inevitably come crashing back down. Um, yeah, uh, 6 out of 10 is a kind of generous in my opinion. They got a lot of work to do. Again, uh, I guess if you got a PS4 version and your PlayStation's crashing because of the game, you might want to get your money back until they fix it. And I'm sure they'll drop the price once they fix it and stuff, especially by the time the first DLC gets, gets uh, launched. I'm, I'm, for those who don't know, it will be free. That is the only good thing about the game. But she's she's right about the feel, the inevitable feeling of coming and crashing down. I hate the the overheat system it's just a horrible game all around it's fun to play with people you know and that's the only reason i waste my time on it is because i am playing with uh irl friends 
So that makes it a lot more fun with just shooting the shit and, you know, playing with people you actually know and not strangers. But she is right about it being a game that is best played by yourself because, like I said before in other past episodes, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to up. I got to work in an hour. But then my buddy that I like to play with is all about the lore. He's very invested in the lore. So he wants to go talk to every single person at the tower. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, let's do some missions before I got to go to work. And he's like, yeah, but if I do this mission, then it's going to change the dialogue. And I'm going to miss this opportunity to interact with this character. And he makes a solid point. And I can't argue that. But it's it's like... You need to find your niche and you need to figure out the people you need to play with, the people who are just ready to get to the end game and get to the masterwork stuff or the people who really want to take their time and play it like a typical Bioware game and get into the lore and the story. So it's very conflicting, conflicting title. Um, <laughs> it's kind of entertaining how much how many problems they're having with it. I love Bioware. I really want to see them succeed. But at the same time, this game is just absolute trash, in my opinion. Uh, great Roots. It's just the trees growing out a little crooked right now. So next thing we're going to talk about is a little little awkward subject to me. Not something, uh, I don't know. Steam, for those who don't know, Steam had a, what do we call it? They had a problem not too long ago, if you remember when all these school shootings were going on. Steam is one of those companies that will allow people like me who just created their own independent game, don't have a company, don't, you know, they're not going through any kind of filter system. They will just, whatever you want to post on there, they'll allow you to post and you just pay a developer's fee so they get their money and then you can sell your game on their service. And the problem with that is, there, like I said, there's no filter. So people are posting games that are oddly um offensive and what i was about to say was when all these school shootings were going out somebody actually created a school shooting simulator where you got to go shoot up a school in a simulation which to me is just very like disappointing that somebody thinks that that would be cool like just shows the evilness out in the world i don't understand I, i'm hopefully they took that game down from right now i'm not sure if it's still up or not i am going to read an article in their statement to that situation but there is another disturbing game that has been released that we'll get into after this article this comes to you from techcrunch.com from lucas matney says valve says removing controversial games from steam is hard so it's not going to do so so i guess that would mean that that shooting simulator is up actually there is a i'm looking at a still image from the gameplay right now so that's kind of disturbing it's just he's looking down the sights of a gun and shooting kids in well, it actually looks like police officers who are coming to the rescue is who you're shooting in this still image. Very disturbing. Uh, this is a not too long of an article, actually, so I'm just going to go ahead and read it. He says, Internet platforms removing objectionable content from their sites has been one of the more difficult challenges for tech companies in recent years. Valve has also determined that it's a pretty difficult challenge in their Steam gaming store. But unlike some of the other major platforms on the web, they've decided they're not going to do anything unless the content is actually illegal or, as they put it, straight-up trolling. The company has also asserted that, quote, the games we allow onto the store will not be a reflection of Valve's values. In other words, they're not responsible for what you find in the store. They really hope that people will post the right stuff, but they also want to be that platform that has no limits to what you can sell just for creative rights. You know, I mean, you do want the creative games that nobody's ever heard of, but you're also going to get bogged down by all this bull crap that people think is entertaining. So it goes on to say, here's exactly 
what else Valve employee Eric Johnson said in a company blog post, which you should read in full here. Quote, Valve shouldn't be the ones deciding this. If you're a player, we shouldn't be choosing for you what content you can or cannot buy. If you're a developer, we shouldn't be choosing what content you're allowed to create. Those choices should be yours to make. Our role should be to provide systems and tools to support your efforts to make these choices for yourself and to help you do it in a way that makes you feel comfortable. Now, it goes on to say, this post is largely in response to the company's actions regarding a school shooting simulator that caused the ire of many. Valve removed the title from the store, but said it did so because the creator was previously banned and was a troll. So, yeah, they did take it down. Good for them. They should have. So, there are certainly plenty of those in the gaming community who would hold tightly to the idea that people will buy what they want to, and Valve shouldn't decide which content makes it onto their PC. Honestly, that could be a pretty ideological, defensible position if you didn't think about the money changing hands here. The problem is Valve takes a pretty big cut of the revenue from titles sold through the store, so when it says that it doesn't agree with the content, it doesn't mean that it doesn't want the money it makes from it. So, from a business standpoint, that makes sense, but still, you gotta have your morals. Goes on to say, if Valve wants to find objectionable content and then forego their cut while keeping the games available for download, that's one thing. And they can probably stick by the words in their blog post a bit more as a result. Finding in the line in terms of what is okay and what isn't in gaming is admittedly painfully difficult. You can kill cops and mow down pedestrians in Grand Theft Auto V, which has brought in billions of dollars in revenue single-handedly, but ultimately I think its maker Rockstar Games would at least say that they can stand by their game. If Valve isn't willing to stand by the games they sell as part of their values, do they even have values as a company that sells games? YouTube is having what seems to border on an existential crisis right now as they have to decide how to monetize videos on their site that contain objectionable content. Valve can hide from this kind of crisis, but they can't avoid it. Ad-supported models tend to obscure the money-exchanging hands, but when someone buys a game on Steam, money goes directly to Valve as an effect. Valve can ultimately do what it wants here. They can decide that they want to allow ugly content on their store or not. They, but they cannot act like Steam is just some giant bucket inside of which games just sit. Valve is a multi-billion dollar business that inhales revenues from every paid title that it sells. Free expression on the web is an awesome thing, even if it seems to suck sometimes, but stores should be responsible for the items that they stock on their shelves. I agree wholeheartedly with that entire thing. Very well said. Again, his name is Lucas Matney at the Crunch, or TechCrunch.com. Uh, I, I think they should definitely have some kind of filter, some kind of uh, provision. Check out the games that they're going to sell before they sell them. Have some morals, man. Like, yeah, there's the, like, the power of creativity and the freedom of creativity, but... That doesn't mean you should just let anything fly. And uh, and like he said, if, if you are going to let anything fly, stand by it. Don't say that the game is disturbing, but then you're going to go make money off of it because they're selling it on your platform. Now, this continues on in the same subject of the fact that, like I said, there's another disturbing game that they released. And this one I, I absolutely cannot get behind. It's a game released called Rape Day. And it's a zombie apocalypse. And it actually allows you to rape women in this game. Um, this is by silive.com, and the author is Mark Stein. The title is Rape Day, a video game for sociopaths that lets users kill and rape is under review by Steam. At least they're reviewing it. <laughs> Hopefully this will get them to change their, their standpoint behind what they said in that last article. But Mark goes on to say, Perhaps the most controversial video game to be designed may never see the light of day on a major platform. 
Rape Day has caught the attention of numerous major gaming publications and blogs for its especially raunchy description and gruesome in-game possibilities. The game's developer, Desklamp, describes Rape Day as a visual novel where you control the choices of a sociopath during a zombie apocalypse. You can verbally harass, kill people, and rape women as you choose to progress the story. Furthermore, Rape Day is, a, is categorized as an adult-only title, which means users can't see it unless you're logged into Steam. The game, which is said by its developers to have been designed for sociopaths and a, a niche audience, is reportedly currently under review by Steam, the digital distribution platform founded by Valve Corporation. Last year, writers, uh, last year writes the gaming news website Kotaku, Valve ended up banning some games from Steam for containing elements of child exploitation. Not sure about that. That's, <laughs> Steam needs to get it together, man. Sounded more and more like they need to go ahead and put that filter system in there. But continuing on, it says mostly young-looking characters in an animated sex game. Elements of child exploitation, mostly young-looking characters in animated sex games. It also removed more than 100 porn games. So, <coughs> like I said, the game is under review, so it's not available. So I guess there's not too much detail about what you can do, which I don't care to share or read the actual details of what you can do in that game from what it sounds like. But just disturbing news all around from Steam, or from Valve, rather. Steam is the platform, Valve is the company. So they need to get it together over there. That's, I can't say it enough. Disturbing, disturbing, disturbing. It's like that episode, or that scene in Game of Thrones where she's walking behind her. Shame, shame. Like, that's, that's what they need to do to Steam. So uh, one more article, then I'm going to get out of here. This last article is actually about what it's like being a game developer. It's not a very sturdy job. And this couple goes in detail about the hardships that they are having right now. This is from Polygon by Katie Coronas. Chironis? I think I said that right. But the title is Making Games for a Living Means Being Inconsistent. Oh, sorry. Making Games for a Living Means Being in Constant Fear of Losing Your Job. She says it's date night tonight, and my husband Max and I, as usual, are trying to unsuccessfully plan our future. We'd like to buy a home, or at least sign a lease for more than one year at a time. We'd like to have kids. Not now, but someday. This is when the conversation usually takes a dark turn. You see, Max and I are both game designers. We have our dream jobs in theory, but neither of us has ever worked for a company longer than three years, despite our best efforts. This means that it's next to impossible to plan more than a year ahead. This situation isn't unique in the world of video game development. It's the normal state of affairs for so many of us. How do you have a stable life in an industry which doesn't seem to offer one? This was the first time it happened. Max and I met and started dating at Microsoft Game Studios in 2013. We were part of a group of quote, new, gar new grad employees who had been hired to bring fresh talent to departments throughout Xbox with the goal that many of us would become lifetime employees. We all worked hard. This sort of job had always been the dream, and, there, and here we were. Things were fantastic for a few months. It didn't last. As the launch of Xbox One grew closer, people began to whisper a new word around the office, reorganization. We didn't know what it meant, but we knew enough to be scared. Management called our entire group of new grads into a conference room to let us know we would be let go at the end of our first year. Microsoft had funded this hiring program, but then, somewhere in all of those calculations and reassessments of profit and loss in the following months, had been scrapped. I had turned down offers from other game companies like EA to come to Microsoft. We had been promised careers, growth, and mentorship. These days, most of that original group doesn't work in games anymore. 
That sort of experience sticks with you. It was my first time being laid off in the games industry. And it doesn't get easier with time or experience. I found a new job before my time at Microsoft had run out, but it was soon clear that I had joined a new studio in a tough situation. Projects weren't shaping up as expected, and there'd recently been a round of layoffs. Those who were left were spooked. I was determined to work hard, keep my head down, and hope for the best. But it wasn't enough. When a project spun down, I was let go, along with the other new hire, newest hire a few months later. The producer who delivered the news also escorted us out the front door immediately. Wow. We weren't allowed to retrieve our belongings. So I wonder how they got them then. That don't make any sense. Guess I had to come back. I sat in my car out in the parking lot, pressed my head against the steering wheel, and cried. My coworkers had likewise been given no warning that I would be laid off, including the summer intern I'd hired and managed. It was like I had been abducted by a UFO, and suddenly they had to pick up the work I had left behind. I had no savings. I'd been pouring every bit of my paycheck into paying down my massive student loans before the interest piled up. It had felt responsible at the, I, it had felt responsible at the times. Max stood by me to his credit. We lived together, and although it was a struggle for him, he had a new job himself and was determined to cover my half of the rent until I found work. I was terrified of being a burden, so I hunted for a job obsessively, spending 12 hours a day doing everything I could to find another position. I took rare breaks to lay on the couch and stared at the ceiling, lost in a fog. I had gone through two layoffs in two years. Was this just how the industry worked? Surely anyone in the games didn't live this way, right? Weeks later, a small developer offered me a role as a writer for one of its upcoming games. But my future manager pointed to the last two jobs on my resume during my final interview. We want to hire you, but we're concerned, he said. This is a studio where people stick around. I've been here over ten years. The last writer was here for five, and the last one before him, nine. Are you going to commit to staying here? He might have been concerned, but I was relieved. I told him nothing would make me happier than to work at a developer for as long as I could. I wanted stability and commitment as much as they did. I signed the offer immediately. My start had been rocky, but surely this job, my next job, would be a good forever home. Things were great for a time. I formed close friendships with coworkers and shipped a game I had a major hand in shaping. Fall turned into winter, and we held office holiday parties. We played hacky sack in the parking lot. I finished writing the game I had been hired to write and, been, and began working on the story beats for the next, and I'd saved up some money to build a safety net just in case. The fear in my gut slowly dissipated. The new year brought rumors that the studio was switching to a new game engine for the next project. I had experience using this engine, but no one else did. Studios make changes to the technology that drives their games. It's part of the business, but it often means they have to let people go and hire some new people to make sure they have enough developers who know how the next technology works without having to be retrained at the company's expense. I had a nagging sensation something bad was coming, but co-workers were adamant that everything would be fine. The studio had weathered a lot in 16 years. We'd be okay in which we weren't okay. A month later, my manager called me during a day I was working from home. He'd never called me before. The news was grim. Just before lunchtime, the PCs of many employees all suddenly logged out at the same time. No one knew what was happening at first, but then management began calling people into the conference room one by one. They were being let go. I had somehow survived this round of cuts. The survivors gathered in the center of the empty office the next morning. We shared stories about the previous day and wandered around in a daze, not knowing what we were meant to be working on. What would happen to the game we'd been making? It was I was overcome with guilt. Why hadn't I been let go instead of, instead of them? Many of them had children, partners, or disabled family members to take care of. What would become of them now? And I was left with an even worse feeling. I had been right. My paranoia about being laid off, my obsession about planning for what to do if it ever happened again, it was all telling me something. I should never have lost the fear in my gut. I should have let it drive me. I would have been safer. 
Years later, I've realized that this fear and anxiety isn't just common. It's necessary if you want to have a long career. Games might fail fast and hard upon release, just like Anthem. <laughs> and studios can shudder overnight. There may be not there may not be an obvious warning signs. It might even be ha it, uh, it might even happen at companies with a large number of hit games. I was once out with some friends when someone from Telltale Games informed our group that the company seemed to be in good spirits, projects were running smoothly, and morale was high. For those who don't know, Telltale Games made Batman, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones. It's a game where you pretty much play a story. It's not much gameplay involved. You're just making choices mostly. But it goes on to say it was shut down a month later. Jam City, a mobile game developer, was aggressively hiring in Los Angeles up until the day it reported a layoff of roughly 25% of their workforce. Friends of mine from the Big Fish and Capcom Vancouver layoffs last December are still looking for work. Now, this article goes on for a good bit. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But from as a person who was interested in getting in the game development uh, world... That's crazy because it's like I remember working in the restaurant business and when I finally got out of the food industry, it was like, yes, like I've been looking forward to not having to work in the food industry for so long. It felt surreal to be out of it, to be doing something and not come home dirty every day and nasty and fry grease all over me and smelling like French fries and stuff. And so it, it just seems to me like that's one of them situations where you get your dream job and then a year later you're stuck back at the restaurant and it just it sucks and that's kind of an eye opener because i looked into student loans that it would cost to go to full sale university or game developing schools and it's not cheap ladies and gentlemen not cheap at all and then you're not promised a job and it sounds like the jobs you do get are not very concrete unless you get a huge developer job kind of like rockstar or one of those huge companies that just continue putting out bangers every so often but it's an eye-opener. Think twice before you get into that industry. And like she said, learn from her mistake. Make a safety net. Be prepared. Don't lose that feeling in your gut and let it drive you to make the best content possible. So, again, this is it for today. You can catch this show every Monday and Wednesday live at 11 a.m., but it will be on Twitch for up to seven days. You can watch it at any time. You can watch it on Facebook or YouTube. I don't believe the YouTube videos get taken down after a certain amount of time. I think everyone up to episode one is on YouTube. Go follow, like, subscribe. Please make a Twitch account. Uh, quick, fast, easy. Twitch.tv slash GetTogetherGames. Thank you for joining me. One last shout-out to Matt Eakins. Thank you for making that logo for me. You're about to see it again once I get done uh, running my mouth. And thank you for tuning in. I will see you next time. Get together games, get to get together games where we like to get together and nerd out. Nerd out. Get together games, get to get together games where we like to get together and nerd out. Nerd out. Nerd out.